Welcome to Synergetic Culture, where we exist to provide practical and tangible content to help you build a synergetic culture. Here's the dichotomy though. Culture is formed either by design or by default. A culture by design, when adopted by the people within the culture, has a multiplying effect in the way it builds the organization and the individuals within it. And this, my friends, this is a synergetic culture. So how do we create a culture by design? What fundamentals and tactics and principles build a synergetic culture? Well, you've come to the right place. So no matter where you find yourself in your career, this podcast is for you. And with that being said, let's jump into today's episode of Synergetic Culture. Welcome back to Synergetic Culture and episode 33, where I get the opportunity to sit down and interview a pretty remarkable individual. I want to introduce my friend Brandon Pipkin to you. He's the creator of an incredible sales and leadership program, and Brandon's helped thousands of leaders and salespeople perform better by aligning their head, heart, and habits for sustainable success. He's trained over 3,000 global leaders to focus on their why and equip them with consist, uh, to consistently get the best from their teams. And over the last 15 years, he's helped more than 15,000 salespeople from four, over 400 global organizations increase sales, build trust, communicate better, and reduce objections with the philosophy of stop selling and you will sell more. Focus on being a resource and valuable partner and you'll always outsell the competition Synergetic Culture, we welcome Brandon Pipkin. Brandon, good to see you, man. Thanks, Babes, you too. Yeah, really man. Good to be here. Well, I, what I didn't include in that introduction was that you and I have um, a, a little bit of a history. I'm one of those 15,000 salespeople that you've equipped over the years, and we've stayed connected over the last three or so years and um, engaged with each other's content. And I do want to tell that story, but I'm going to wait till a little bit later. Um, okay. But Brandon, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? We're going to, we're going to rewind the clock a little bit, but like tell, tell the audience who you are and uh, a little bit about what you do. Good. Uh, yep. So I fell into sales like any salesperson does hardly anybody at 18. I used to ask in my workshops who at 18, when they were projecting their life out to this very point, thought to themselves, I want to be in sales. I think one or two people ever rose their hand and they had been like their dad was this national salesperson or something and yeah, or they had an entrepreneur in the family, but otherwise we all just fall into sales. So I grew up in Utah and a uh, product of a single mom who was just unreal, phenomenal, raised us and uh, kept everything moving. And I left for a two-year church mission. We moved to Colorado after a time I was 11 years old. I went on a two-year church mission and learned how to sell without knowing that that's what I was doing at that time. And uh, so really what I got was the world's best sales education because I was trying to give away religion, which is the toughest thing to give away. It's the sure. toughest thing to talk. Yeah. So I was out knocking doors, ringing doorbells, talking to people on the streets, cold contacting all day, all the time. Hey, do you want to hear a message? Do you want can we talk to you? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I came back from that and kind of fell into a sales job. I had uh, somebody that I was, I was driving a tr truck, delivering maintenance and janitorial supplies and the manager, the leader, well, the owner of the company came to me and she said, you're wasting my time driving the truck. And I thought to myself, geez, I'm getting canned after six weeks. <laughs> this is terrible. 
I tell like, I'm not that bad, but seriously. <laughs> and she said, your skill set's in sales. And I still didn't have a clue what sales was. So she put me into sales. I remember asking her multiple questions. Like, like what am I supposed to do? Like, I just go talk to customers and, and then they give me an order. How does that work? What am I supposed to do? Yeah. So bounced around in a lot of different sales jobs, sales, sales management, those kinds of things. And got to a point where I loved training my team, but I was with a horrible organization. Mm -hmm. So I prayed and I asked, Father, where do you need me? Because this is killing me. And the answer was going to training. Awesome. So slogged through two really awful sales jobs in between that were barely feeding the family and bleak, dark times. And then moved into sales training and soft skills training at that point. And awesome. Been doing that for the last 15 years. Amazing. Amazing. So, um, I want to, I want to kind of jump in and I might get a little specific here. So growing up in Utah, how big, how big was your family? You said a single mom. So you watched yep. somebody, um, exert a crazy work ethic, I would imagine. And, yeah. and hustle hard for you guys. What was that like? Yeah. Uh, it's pretty unbelievable. And that really shaped my leadership thoughts as well, because we had help from people in the church all the time. <laughs> There were scout leaders, for instance, that would make sure that I got on the fathers and sons activity. Uh, no father around, but one of the guys at church said, come on, I'll take you and you'll be my my plus one for this. And I'll show you what to do, how to camp and those kinds of things. And a, another guy, once we moved here to Colorado, I remember he came over one night and handed me a backpacking backpack and said, we found this for you. Um, wow. Yeah get just almost a little emotional thinking about that. Right. I don't know how they sourced it, where they got it from, but just that they would think of me and want to make sure I was included in it. So I had some really good examples and yeah, mom just slogging through. And I asked her for so many years, mom, how did you do this? Yeah. And her answer was always the same. It was always, well, you just, you just do it. You get through it. But the other side of this, the flip side of it was since dad wasn't around and mom wasn't really available for us, I got into wearing a mask people pleasing, thinking I had to act a certain way to earn approval and those kinds of things. And so in my early sales career, I thought it was all about get them to like me and I people buy from people they like, right? Yeah. And so interesting, just today I had a conversation with somebody and she said, my goal is to help salespeople get to the point where they're helping their clients not to like them. She said, yeah, I said that. I meant that. I want them to respect the salesperson, not like them. Yeah. And I used to say people buy from people they like, whom they trust and provide value. But I've moved that to people buy from people they respect, whom they trust and provide them value. So that's wow. the other side of that. But four sisters, two of them older, one younger. My mom remarried for a time. So we picked up two brothers from that. Wow. That we still keep in touch with. And they divorced, but uh, he and the, the boys are still in our lives to a degree. So that's pretty cool. Wow. Wow. So, um, so I had older sisters growing up. Yeah. Um, I haven't had them on this podcast yet. Um, just mainly cause I'll, I want to protect all the beans. Yeah. I'm like trying to protect my, my, my sanity and myself and <laughs> not, yep. not get everything out there. But, um, uh, what a, what a powerful influence to have, um, have a mom like that, that, that showed you. And then, um, uh, man, I think something, um, incredible that you got to experience was the power of community. Um, yes. yeah, the power of a faith community. Yeah. Um, right before we hit record, I was telling you about how I met my fiance and it was because of a faith community and perfect place. Yeah. To yeah. So it's, um, it's neat because, um, uh, man, I don't know. I don't know how, um, how people can journey through life alone without that 
it's um right it's a little perplexing yeah because life sucks a lot of times and it's hard and um there's there's really no way around some of the crap we have to go through but to be surrounded by like-minded individuals to be surrounded by a community that just cares um yep and has the thoughtfulness i mean i think about just from a point of empathy trying to put myself in in young brandon's shoes receiving a backpack from a couple of of guys that you look up to that go man i you know, this is, they're showing me how to be a man. And, and, you know, for them, it probably wasn't even a big deal, uh, to just go swipe a card and pick up a bag. But the impact that left on you years later is pretty cool. Right. Yeah. 30 years later, 30 yeah. plus years later. Yeah. So, with me. um, so did you, were like, what kind of student were you? Were, were you a good student? Did you get good grades? Did you yeah, let's Sorry. answer that in a minute. First, have you told the, the listeners when your wedding is? Does everybody? Uh, no, I haven't. I, I, I haven't. It's coming up soon. It, um, it's it's in a couple of weeks, uh, depending on when this comes out. So um, it'll be in a couple of weeks. And then she's already committed to come on after the wedding and do an episode. Yeah. So awesome. that'll be fun. Yeah. She, she hides from the mic. Any opportunity I try to pull her in. She's like, no, not yet. But, um, yeah, yeah, but she'll, she'll come on soon. Good. So, yeah. All right. Tell the listeners if you're registered at target and let them all know. <laughs> I am. I am registered at target. You can find, uh, searching my first and last name, Adam Bieber. You'll find us. So sweet. Yeah. I love it. That's a great Thank plug. You. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I was a good student for a while. Okay. I was good up until my senior year and it was probably sophomore year that I started having some disconnects with school and uh, so up until that point yeah it was like don't rock the boat be a good student and and those kinds of things and I loved school I love learning academics were always fun and intriguing to me so if you do one of those behavioral profiles that also includes motivators yep I don't really show high on the knowledge part because I'm so high in the traditional and the religious aspect and things like that utilitarianism and those sure. things sure but I would say, especially lately, the, the quest for knowledge has just been insatiable. I'm totally curious, always trying to figure out why and how people do what they do. It's yeah. why I wrote the first book. It's why I keep talking to people and interviewing. And yeah. So I, I would say part of that was there during my scholastic um, endeavors. But then when I hit senior year, mm -hmm. I was probably what could have been clinically depressed. Mm. And I hated my calculus class early morning because I didn't understand anything about calculus. So I think I attended that class maybe five times and I think I pulled a D still. Wow. Mr. Davis was unbelievable to me and just was like, it's, we'll, we'll work with you. Yeah. We'll help you get there. Wow. He just wanted you to graduate and get out. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> didn't they all? Yeah. <laughs> wow. like, whatever we need to do to get this guy out of here. What do you think? What do you think was, was playing, if you don't mind me asking, what do you think was playing a role in, in some of that, um, uh, just struggle that you were facing mentally mm -hmm. and emotionally? Yeah. Good question. I think it goes back to that people pleasing. Mm. I had had enough experiences where I felt like I had been let down by people and the realization that maybe I can't count on people. Um, maybe I don't measure up and that's why these people are letting me down or in my eyes, they're letting me down. Wow. Um, not having enough maturity or understanding to know that they were on their own journey. 
and it's not their job to fill my cup and lift me up and they're going to do things that may hurt me. Mm. And it has no bearing on who I am, what I am. But at the time, of course, lacked maturity and the understanding for that. And um, that's, it's interesting as yeah. we talk about it, the thoughts that come up, right? So we had this competition called, um, well, it's, we've, we changed our mascot name because it was perhaps a little offensive to people. So I okay. won't say what it was, but it was okay. Mr. Mascot. Uh-huh. And uh, I was selected as one of 10 senior guys to participate in this, right? And I remember telling somebody that was really close to me and meant a lot to me, hey, I've got selected for this. And their immediate reaction was, oh, did Chip get selected too? One of my best buddies. Did Chip get selected too? Instead of, wow, that's so Congrats. cool. So yeah, glad. good for you. Yeah. Right. It was none of that. And so those kinds of things, of course, at that time, again, lacking the maturity and then lacking the emotional foundation of knowing that I, I was okay no matter what those kinds of things really impacted me. So I, I spent a lot of time that senior year in that feeling of yeah, questioning, wondering, and those kinds of things. Wow. 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 Um, and then you, um, you mentioned going on to, um, a, a mission with your church. Was that directly after high school? It was a year and a half after I graduated, I graduated May of 95 and I left in September or was it October of 96? Damn. I'm not going to tell you how, uh, how old I was at the time. (laughs) Yeah. You were two, right? (laughs) Um, 96 was four. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just turned 30 last year. That was, that was the big one for me. Yeah. Yeah. You just, yeah. Barely hit it. (laughs) So Somewhat related to what we're talking about, yeah. and you're advanced. I anecdotally kept saying that men don't really pull our heads out until we're 25. And science kind of proves that our frontal lobe doesn't coalesce until we're 25. And yes. then I would say, and then we hit our stride when we're 35. And I I felt like I was a kid masquerading as an adult until I was about 35. Yeah. Um, I still sometimes feel that way. <laughs> um, you can ask, you can ask uh, the people closest to me. Um, I think, uh, I think I was blessed enough to have, um, some pretty cool people surround me. Um, my, my twenties kind of feel like they were pretty rocky. I mean, we've, we've shared some, some personal stuff. I've shared some personal stuff on this podcast. I went through a divorce. I became a dad pretty young. And, um, so I had to grow up in some aspects, but then I also was just dealing with a lot. And, um, because of all that calamity, I struggled to find my place in a career, um, and find my place in, in what I was passionate about. Cause I was just, everything yeah. felt so chaotic for so long. Um, and so while life is still crazy, it's fun, but it's, what's neat is being able to, um, uh, feel like, I mean, I don't want to say I'm getting my stride, but I do feel like, um, things click and I'm, I'm able to, yeah. um, hone in on what I'm passionate about and, Honestly, if I can, if I can help somebody and make a difference, I feel like I'm, I'm pursuing something worthwhile. So, and here's, what's fun about life and perspective. When you say it took you a while, I think you use different words, but it took you a while to find what what you're good at, what you're passionate about. Yeah. I look at what you have done, the success that you've had. And I think, man, you found it early and you killed it you just continue to slay it and show up and do amazing things. And it takes some people lots of years to be, mm. be able to do that. I still feel like I, I look at the things I've done and I'm like, man, I am nowhere. 
I had, there is so much left to do and so much ahead of me. I have done nothing. Yeah. I, there's a, there's a part of me that hopes that we both keep that. Cause I think that's what keeps us hungry. I think that's what keeps right. us coming back for more. Um, it doesn't feel like, uh, there's some days where it feels awesome. I'm like, we had a good day. Like I, you know, we crushed it and, and there's seasons of that, but I still feel like there's times where, um, I'm like, man, I've, I've got so, there's so much I need to learn. There's so much I still need to do. And, um, part of why I do this podcast selfishly is cause I learn so much from the people I talk to. Um, yeah. so it's, it's, it's an exciting and thrilling thing for me, but at the same time, I also, I also feel like there's, um, uh, I've been blessed with a network of amazing individuals. And if I can be a conduit to get other people to the, the wisdom and training and knowledge and influence of people like yourself and, and many others, then, um, that would be, that would be pretty awesome. Um, I know for a fact, my mom enjoys it. She listens to the podcast and, and, uh, and, and a few friends and, and a lot, a lot of the folks uh-huh. I work with, but, um, yeah, man, it's, um, it's, it's something that selfishly I, I just enjoy doing for the learning aspect. Um, so mission with church when I was four years old, and then you go on to, uh, <laughs> you go on to, um, start your education, your higher education and start to kind of tap into some of the sales stuff or what, what was next? No, no. So I came back and fell into that sales role and took one class at a community college. I feared getting started in school because I knew if I change degrees or if I change schools, I'm going to lose ground and financially did not come from means at all. Single mom. Yeah. But I don't have the money to burn. I don't have the time to burn. And so I put off my education. And when I met when I was 23, I had been back from my mission about two years I met a lady who had had a four-year-old daughter at the time when we got married. Um, she was three when we met, when we met, and then four when we got married. So I felt like I needed to provide right away. Sure, sure. So I think I took maybe another class or two, but I was really focused on work. And right shortly after we got married, I got involved in a network marketing group. In fact, if you're not busy on Tuesday, Adam, why don't you do it? No. Um, so I, I don't build that network marketing business anymore, but that was the impetus really combined with the experiences on my mission. And then the leadership I had seen at church growing up all came together and I caught fire with personal development and leadership and organizational development and helping cool. people reach their very best. Yeah. So then instead of education, I was working full-time and then trying to build this business as well. And I kept doing everything they told me that I should do. And I got more frustrated and more in debt and for like less close further away to where I really wanted to be. And so that was a really frustrating time as well. Cause I'm like, dude, I grew up poor. I do not want to be poor. I thought to myself, I am charming. I am good looking. I'm talented. I should have no trouble at all. (laughs) And then I realized I'm not charming. I'm not talented. And I've got a face for radio. So like, (laughs) you better go a different road, pal, because you're not going to make money all those ways you thought you were. Yeah. And so I thought like the business, okay, if I put enough work into it, it's going to work and and all that kind of stuff. And so that was kind of a stressful, straining time trying to make that work and just couldn't. And I kept bouncing around with different jobs, partially because I need the challenge, but didn't know that at the time. Yeah. And partially because I, I fell in with a lot of dishonest organizations mm. or it, it may not have been 
on par dishonest. Some were. One had an investigation opened into them and I testified against them. And that was cool. Wow. Uh, but others, it was that I just, I have this real internal sense of you've got to do things the right way. Mm-hmm. And when I saw them doing things that were cutting corners with customers or with employees, it just never sat right with me. Yeah. And it's right. So that also started me looking at organizational development and how do the best organizations operate and how do we really connect with people and bring them the, the best that we possibly can. So it was that background with the network marketing organization, my background with the mission and with growing up and stuff like that. And then having bad experiences that all caused me to want to create the right environments for people where they can flourish. Wow. Wow. So I didn't do my bachelor's then until after I'd worked for a leadership development organization. And then finally, because no time and no money were materializing, which I kept waiting for, I realized I got to bite the bullet and do my bachelor's. So I got my bachelor's online when I was 34, I think. Oh, wow. Wow. And couldn't really enjoy graduation because I knew I needed to go on to a higher degree. And I was thinking about law, but I couldn't do a law degree. I was traveling at the time. So there was no real good option to do a law degree online. So I chose an MBA in healthcare management and then finished that a year or so later. So I was in my thirties when I got bachelor's and master's. Okay. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Um, I, I too share kind of, um, our, have, found myself in a similar uh, boat getting married young and having a kid young and feeling like, okay, I've got to provide, but I have all these aspirations. I don't really know how to apply them. Um, So I'm just going to go where the next paycheck is and struggle, struggle through a couple different jobs and um, maybe land a couple places. Think this might be it. This is the one. Um, And then, you know, whether it's circumstantial or life happens and, you move on from that one and you're like, okay, now I'm starting again. Cause I don't. Yeah. So starting all over. Yeah. Yep. Um, what is it? Um, so you kind of touched on the moral compass being something that's, yeah. that's guided you. And when, when you've noticed something being off from just a moral standpoint, just following your own personal values. And I, I, um, uh, would bet that we have a, a lot of the same moral values, um, what do you think that does for someone who is passionately trying to grow themselves and grow their career, but also feels the tension of their moral compass? And sometimes oh, yeah. the further you go, even in corporate America with in, in even today in 2023, I still think that there's tensions that come and arise where you're going, yeah. I, I, I want to excel. I want to be great. I want to, I want to crush it. But then I also have this, moral compass inside of me that's saying it's I'm, I'm being stretched and I'm being pulled in an opposite direction in order to do that. Talk yeah. about that a little bit. You know, thank you. Great question. I think some people probably lean into it and have enormous success for whatever reason. Yeah. And people look up to them and they know I can trust that person. They are rock solid. If you look at Jim Collins, good to great book, oh, I, I think in there book. it's either that one or built to last. Which one does he talk about level five leaders? Do you remember? I think it's in good to great. Is it good to great? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So one of the things he talks about in good to great is this level five leader is somebody who's not afraid to let you see their warts. They're authentic. Yes. And there's somebody who will eschew the praise when good things happen and they'll take the blame when the bad things happen. Yeah. This is one reason I love Andy Reid, by the way. He's unreal. Yeah. 
A reporter tried to get him to talk about himself two different times when they were going to the Super Bowl a few years ago, and he just kept talking about the team, the city, the Hunt family, who owns the team, blah, blah, blah. Yep, yep, yep. And then when they didn't make it to the Super Bowl a year or two after that, he kept saying, I need to give the team plays that they can execute. He blamed it on a bad play call. Well, he doesn't even call the plays, but he said, I need to give them plays that they can execute. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's unreal. It was so good. Um, so some people, I think, can have that moral, that, that moral compass and that integrity, like Andy Reid, and people really rally around that because there's a lot to it. I have just, I don't know, I'm a sucker is part of it. And <laughs> I... <laughs> I am a glutton for punishment. And so I keep finding organizations at times and not all of them, but there were a few along the way that I've worked for that have, have been duplicitous or have, have cut those corners and things. And so for yeah. me, I think it has held me back because I'm not able to fully engage, fully jump in. And I won't, I just, I can't. Yeah. yeah. And um, I got some mouths to feed over here. So it's been interesting and uh, bouncing yeah. around and doing some different things. And I've been a contractor for the last 10 years now. Um, but even in that, there's been, uh, there was a client a couple of, uh, oh, a year and a half, two years ago or something who said, hey, this client of mine may ask about this and this. And so just tell them that we've been working together for a long time. And I said, well, I think what I'll say is we've been talking for the last couple of months and that we've been developing a strong relationship. He goes, oh yeah, that's better. That's better. <laughs> like on the fly, I'm having to translate of, okay, here's what the client is asking me to do. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. I don't feel comfortable with that. Where can I be? And I've had to do that multiple times throughout my career is, hey, I respect that you have a thought here and I'm not going to go down this road. And so I, I have not had enormous success doing that, but I sure feel much better about it because I want to look you in the eye six months from now and know I did right by you. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I, um, it's, there's a fine line. And I think even in, in sales professions, um, it's easy to get hungry after the sale and start to see the light at the end of the tunnel and go, uh, th there's a good shot. I'm going to get this. I just don't want to say anything to mess it up. And so then we, People right. will sacrifice their authenticity. They'll sacrifice their integrity um, towards the end of a sales cycle. When a, when a big question comes up, they'll, they'll give a, a ambiguous answer or a very vague answer. Um, I, I love the phrase uh, clarity is king and it, 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 yes. I use it all the time. And a lot of times it's more so just like, Hey, um, as a team, um, I want to make sure that you know what's expected of you and you know what, where my head's at. And so I want to be clear in my communication with you, but I also think it's, it's King and just being true to your, your integrity and true to your, your moral yeah. compass. Brilliant. So, um, yeah. you know, I think it's interesting because you can come across people that don't live by that and they can find a lot of success. Um, I think you come across people that do live by it and can find success. Um, yeah. I think what, what helps me and I think what helps you and hopefully what helps, what helps people to, choose the higher path and, and, and the road of integrity and honesty is when you lay your head down on your pillow at night and you shut your eyes or you get up in the morning and you look at that person in the mirror, take some self accountability and go, am I proud of the person that I see? You know, am I, am I operating the way I, I, I know I can, am I living to my highest potential? Um, yep. I work with a coach right now and he says, um, I want to call out the highest version of you. 
And so he talks, he said, I'm speaking to the higher version of you, not, not the version of you today. I'm talking to the higher version of Adam. And that, that kind of helps get my mind going in, in, um, in, in ways I want to view myself, uh, seeing, seeing the better version of myself. So, um, so I, what, here's, here's some of my thoughts. I think that we have, um, uh, we could talk for a while and I think what would be best is if we kind of start to wrap a bow around your journey and your story. Um, we, we end this podcast episode as a part one, and then you come back on here in a minute and we do a part two for the listeners. And I want to talk about, I'm just going to give them a little teaser here, but you've written a book, a really cool concept. I want to get into that. I want to talk about what you're doing today. Um, but before, before we, we button this episode up, um, tell me about what, like if you could, if you could go back to 19 year old Brandon getting ready to go on the mission or, you know, your first sales job, Brandon, what's some advice you would give yourself knowing where you are today and kind of the trajectory of your life. You wouldn't necessarily change the circumstances of life that would happen, but you could give yourself a little bit of a a peek into the future. What would you say? Yeah. This answer may be flavored by something you said three minutes ago and I still want to touch on. Okay, go ahead. But I think it is probably the, 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 same information that I would give myself, which is this be authentic. And I don't mean you have to be the goofy guy you were at 19 and let the world see all that. But what I mean is what you've just said, clarity is King. I wore that mask forever and I still struggle with it. When I train workshops, sometimes what I'll say is, does anybody in here have a sales persona? And maybe one or two people will go, yeah, I do. And some others are looking around like, what are you talking about? And I said, if you have one, you know what I'm talking about. If you have no clue what I'm talking about, you don't have a sales persona. I have to fight against it all the time. Yeah. As soon as I know I'm in a sales situation, I become that crouch tiger. And then, like you said, I think I have to say the right things. I have to ask the right questions exactly. And so this is one of the things that lately I've been really churning on. And this is what I would tell my 19-year-old self is be transparent, be real. Wow. More important than any skill in sales, more important than saying the right thing is being a person of integrity that they can trust. And so one of the things that I'm excited to talk about as we come back is what I'm working on when it comes to the thoughts I'm having around revolutionizing sales training, leadership training, and specifically sales leadership around real truth telling, real authenticity, because I want clients, I I talked to a a lady today, Laura, who said, you want to help your clients understand and help their clients know they can't afford to not do business with you. Wow. And that happens when they know they can trust you. Yeah. 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 I, um, one thing I'll, I'll, I'll say first is I love that advice. Um, I think I would, I would hope that I'd give that version of myself, um, similar advice. Um, what's, I also would just say, hang in there <laughs> to, to the 19 year old me, like hang in there. It's going to get rocky. The next 10 years are crazy. Uh, but you're going to be fine. Hang in there. It's going to be all right. Keep your chin up. Um, uh, what's, what's unique about, um, the position that, I get to sit in now in sales leadership and then the position that you sit in and training and leadership and sales is, um, I think some people, maybe if they're listening to this, they might've tuned out some of the stuff we've said because we've 
mentioned the word sales a few times and maybe it's, yeah. it's somebody that's like, um, you know, I've got friends here that maybe it's a single mom or, or, um, or a stay at home mom that's listening. And she, yeah. she's like, well, I volunteer at my church and maybe I lead a small group, but I'm not, I'm not in a sales profession or, or it could be somebody just from a different background, different career path. Um, uh, my encouragement to the listener listening to this is to, to dig in and stay tuned in because sales skills and tactics can help you lead your life better. They can help you lead your family better. They can help you be a better spouse, a better, just a better individual, a better friend. Um, and, yeah. and what we're talking about is building authentic relationships. And that's, that's what business and that's what sales is. Um, we're, we're in the relationship business. And I, I tell people all the time when I'm on sales calls, I say, I, I'll, I'll remove kind of the elephant in the room because I don't want them to think I don't think they know that I'm a salesperson. I will say, Hey, right. I operate in a sales motion. That's my job. Yep. But if I don't take care of you, if I don't build our relationship, if I don't work at earning your trust, then I'm not going to be able to sell to you. So I'm going to oh. focus on this piece first. And yes. then, and then, I, and the same is the same is for building relationship, building, building rapport, building um, connections, networking, these skills and these tactics can be utilized in many, many, many facets of life. Um, so here's, um, here's what I'll say, uh, stick around cause we're going to do a part two. Um, but Brandon, any final words as we kind of button up your story leading up to where you are today. Um, and then when we start the next episode, I'm going to tell the story of how you and I met and kind of go into some yeah. of the, the thoughts that I'm, cool. that are coming back from the training we had a few years ago. Well, any, any yeah. closing thoughts? Yeah, my closing thought is a continuation of what you've just said. Sales is nothing more, nothing less than good communication skills, true relationship and connection skills. And let me come back to that in a second. And then it's also solving problems. That's it, <sighs> communicating, connecting, and solving problems. And so, yeah, anybody who's listening to this, when I talk to salespeople, well, when I talk to salespeople who don't think they're salespeople, like maybe they're primarily a customer service role or something like that, yeah. I say, listen, we're talking about sales today and sales is nothing more, nothing less than great communication, building connections. That's it. Yeah. Right. And solving problems. Yeah. So when I talk about that building relationships, I want to come back to that thought that I mentioned earlier, people buy from people they like. Yeah. That's an old outmoded idea. I read a quote when I was 15 that took forever to lock in. It is better to be trusted than to be loved. Wow. So what I would leave everybody with as we end this portion is when it comes to relationships, when it comes to sales, when it comes to communication, when it comes to business, when it comes to being a parent, when it comes to leading a small group, when it comes to personal development, it is better to be trusted than to be loved. Wow, wow, wow. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for being on episode 33. We're going to continue this conversation in just a second. So tune in for the next episode so you can hear part two and we'll continue this incredible conversation. Brandon, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. To learn more about Synergetic Culture, we invite you to go to synergeticculture.com. Sign up to receive our weekly podcast and blog. And then connect with us on social media. We want to be connected to you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe to the podcast and then share our show with the people around you so they too can build a synergetic culture.
This episode was written and recorded by Adam Bieber, founder and CEO of Synergetic Culture. Synergetic Culture is a registered trademark of Adam Bieber and the Synergetic Culture Company. <laughs>